0: and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome folks, welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. I get to interview someone I have long respected and uh, I know you're you're gonna love this episode. I've been trying to, to get him on for a little while now to Soul Talk and we finally made it happen. So you're in for a treat, get your pen, your notepads ready. Take some good notes. It's going to be a good one. He's written two New York Times best-selling books. You probably know him from The Secret, The Amazing John Assaraf. Welcome to Soul Talk. Hey, my friend. Great to see you. It's great to great to have you on. I've been looking forward to it very much. I have a whole bunch of questions I want to dive into, but I would love just this kind of set of context for some folks there. May not be aware of you or your work yet. Um, Just a little context. I love kind of getting a sense of how people got into this field of personal development and inspiring people and the work you're doing now. So I know you built five multi million dollar businesses. And so, what what led to the, the sort of direction of dedicating your life to writing and teaching and speaking and personal development? I'm curious what got you into this to the
1: field yeah i think like like many of us uh my mess did <laughs> I, I created a um from the age of around 12 to 17 18 um i felt very insecure didn't feel like i was good enough or smart enough i didn't do well in school i failed english and math i was voted most likely to fail in life by kids in my you know high school and um just uh, didn't know where I was going. I, I got involved with a group of kids that did a lot of uh, shoplifting, a lot of breaking and entries, and a lot of drug selling wow. um, when I was twelve to seventeen. And uh, my life was a mess. My parents were embarrassed, worried for me, and they didn't know how to help me because uh, i was uh, I was a little bit of a, a rebel and a derelict. Uh, I didn't want to listen to anybody. and um and so i had I was really fortunate that. My brother and I were very, very close, even though he was nine years older uh, than I was. And he was traveling the world as a tennis pro playing the circuit. And when he came back, he landed in Toronto, Canada. And I was living in Montreal at the time. And he had called me up and he said, hey, bro, listen, I know you're getting into trouble. I love you. Uh, There's a guy that I met here that I teach tennis to that's a very successful entrepreneur. He's really into the mindset of success because he keeps talking about the power of your mindset. And he said, he is willing to meet you for lunch. uh, If you'll come and take the train from Montreal to Toronto and, you know, spend the weekend with me, meet him for lunch. And I said, sure, I'll I'll meet him for lunch. Um, I want to see you, bro. So I took the train and uh, my brother picked me up the train station. We went to lunch with this man. His name was Alan Brown and very kind, um, healthy looking man. Looked, He looked very successful. No, no ostentatiousness to him, just very successful. Mm. And he started asking me some some questions like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Mm. Oh, I don't know. He said, come on, you must know. Well, I want some money in my pocket. He said, well, there's lots of ways to make money. Why are you doing illegal things? He said, well, I didn't do well in school. I failed English. I failed math. I left high school, grade 11, worked uh, went to work for in a shipping department, making $1. sixty-five an hour. It's not enough for me to move out of my parents' house. I can't afford a car. So, you know, I sell drugs on the side to make more money. Mm. He says, okay, now I understand. So you're using it as a survival skill and as a, a way to fit in. So you don't feel insecure. And I said, yeah, yeah, exactly. He says, well, if there was a way for you to not do that and, and really, you know, build a life you're proud of, would you be interested Well, of course, I'd be interested. So he said to me, he said, listen, um, what are some of your bigger goals and dreams? I said, well, I'd uh, like to move out of my parents' house. I'd like to buy a car. I want a better job. He says, that's all great. But what are bigger goals and dreams that you have? And I said, "Uh, I don't have any. (laughs) I mean, I've never thought past safety and security, basically. I just need this. And so he actually pulled out this document from his briefcase. This is going back a while away. And uh, he said, do me a favor, like just sit down for 15 minutes and answer these questions. And he gives me this document. And the first question Kute, was, uh, at what age do you want to retire? Mm. I'm like, retire? (laughs) I'm 19. (laughs) What do you mean retire? I just just thought I'm uh, 1945. Put down 45. Second question: How much net worth do you want to have upon retirement? And so I looked at Mr. Brown. I said, Excuse me, sir, what does net worth mean? <laughs> <laughs> he said, Well, you have expenses, you have debt, you have, you know, what's left over is your net worth. So I wrote down $3 million. And anyway, these, all these questions, Kute, was what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Who do you want to help? What kind of legacy do you want? What kind of car do you want? What kind of home do you want? Uh, et cetera. And I just, I said to him, I, can't, I don't know how to answer these questions. He said, you know what, son? Just use your imagination for now. Okay. So I just sat there for 15 minutes. And I wrote down, I want a four-bedroom home. I want a Mercedes Benz. I want to travel the world. I want to have an Italian wardrobe. I want to retire my parents. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And he read this document. He says, hey, kid, you know, this is pretty good. This is like a life that you'd be proud of, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, I'm going to ask you one question. And the answer to this one question will determine whether you achieve and have every one of these things that you wrote out. And in the back of my mind, you can imagine cocky 19-year-old. I'm thinking, yeah, sure. One question. And he leans, he leans in, he says, are you interested in achieving and having all of these things or are you committed to having them? What? Am I interested or am I committed? And I really didn't know what, what he meant. So I asked him, I said, Mr. Brown, I'm sorry, but what's, what's the difference? And he said, if you're interested You'll keep using your story and your reasons and your excuses of why you're doing what you're doing and why you're stuck. You will continuously reinforce the habits that are causing the results that you're not proud of. He said, but if you're committed to these new goals and dreams, and i never forget, he said, you will have to upgrade your identity to match this new destiny. You'll have to upgrade your beliefs and your habits. And yes, you will have to upgrade your skills so you know what you need to do to achieve these goals. And he says, by the way, every one of these things are achievable. Mm. So are you interested or are you committed? And so I'm like, interested, committed, committed, interested. So I don't know why, but something from within me just yelled out, well, I'm committed <laughs> he leans over, and he puts his hand down. And he goes, "In that case, son, I will be your mentor." Wow! Go, wow! Thank you. Uh, what's a mentor? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pure ignorance, right? I said, so, "Well, a mentor is somebody who can guide you, what to do, what not to do, how to break free, how to how to really get your mindset for success." So, Kute, that day, one man, one question, one answer changed the trajectory of my life. And then I moved from Montreal to Toronto. I went back to school for real estate. Five weeks later, I got my real estate license. Wow. And then I went to work for him on commission only. And then he started to upgrade my skills around my mindset and my habits. And over the next 18 months, I was 19 to 20 years young. I made $180,000 on commission only. In how long? 18 months, in 30, 18 000, months, 30,000, wow. the first six months, 150 in the next 12 months wow. because of that one decision. And by having somebody who can actually guide me and show me the path. So, you know, from that, I started seeing, wow, I, I guess I can change. And he had me reviewing my goals every day. He had me doing affirmations and visualizations. And he had me reflecting on something that he called prime your brain for success every day. And so I upgraded my skills by an hour a day, every day. Um, and that was the beginning, okay, 19, 20, 21, of me starting taking my mess and turning it into my mastery. And then I followed this path for the last 40 years. It's actually 42 years ago is when this path started, which took me down the path of becoming a behavioral neuroscience researcher and an entrepreneur that is working on himself first. And then six years later, I took what I learned um, and I started my own real estate company uh, called Remax of Indiana I moved from Toronto to Indianapolis, and then I proceeded to open up 85 real estate offices over 10 years, wow. at 1,200 salespeople, and I taught what Mr. Brown taught to me to them, and we did $4.5 billion a year in sales. And that was the beginning of me not just being the student, but me starting to teach people in my own organization that you can master your life by mastering your mind.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Mr. Brown, what a so blessing. Thank you, huh? thank you, Mr. Brown. What a blessing. What stops people from committing that you've seen? You know, because I think many times yeah. we, we have these resolutions, we read the blogs, we've got the seminar yeah, but but I think that is such a simple but profound distinction. Very, wow, I've, I, I, you know, I, I have all of these goals, but to be really committed is different. And so what have you found, like,
1: gets in the way of really committing? Yeah, so there's a few things. And, and everything that I teach today is based in neuroscience and neuropsychology, right? So, so there's a couple of things. Um, when, when we think of our brain, maybe as we would an orchestra or a band, it might put a little bit con- of context of what may be happening that prevents us. So let me give you an example. There's a part of our brain behind me is Frankenstein behind up there, Frankenstein's monster, and Einstein here. So, the Einstein part of the brain is the decision making executive director of the brain. So, we can say, I want this. The reason I want this is this, 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 and that. And I can imagine what my life will be like with my kids, my wife, my company, the charitable contributions. Like, I can imagine all of that. And oh my God, that feels good. And when we do that, we actually activate um, the uh, nucleus accumbens and insula circuit in the brain that releases dopamine. The I feel good when I do this part of the brain. No problem there. Now, there's another part of our brain called the Frankenstein's monster for for metaphorical purposes, which is the right prefrontal cortex. That happens to be the left prefrontal cortex. And that part of the brain, as soon as we set these goals, big or small, if we haven't yet achieved them, that part of the brain says, okay, um, what if you fail? Oh, what if you disappoint yourself again? Because you've already had goals that you haven't achieved. What if you disappoint your children or your wife or your, or your boss? Uh, uh, What what if you're embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged? So this part of the brain that chooses to be committed is many times offset by that part of the brain that is focused on safety first.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So now we have the proverbial foot on the gas, foot on the brake dilemma. Mm -hmm. I want to do this, but I'm in a protective mode. So that I don't lose money. I don't lose time. I don't get embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged. So part of the challenge is not in the the commitment stage. It's in not understanding the relationship between the emotional center of the brain and the choice center of the brain. So it's a disconnect between limbic, okay, and neocortex, prefrontal cortex. So anyway, I'm giving you a little bit too much, but I've studied this for 40 years to understand why do we get stuck? So fear is one of the common, huge reasons why. Another reason why people commit and then don't stop is now we have self-image, So now if the vision or the goals that I want to achieve, that I can use my declarative part of my brain to declare I want this, if the implicit subconscious self-image doesn't connect to that achievement of that goal, even though I said I'm committed, we will procrastinate and self-sabotage. Not because we want to, it's because our old hidden self image with all of the limiting beliefs and references is yanking us back to that level of expectations, like a thermostat yeah. okay that, that doesn't calibrate properly. So when we have a self image disconnect from the vision and the goals we have, even though we're committed, when we have limiting beliefs, And That that triggers us back to old behaviors. When we have a lack of the knowledge or skill of how to achieve the goal, another part of our brain kicks in called uncertainty and doubt. In a state of uncertainty and doubt, I'm uncertain of the path. I'm uncertain of what to do. I have doubts in myself. I have doubts in my skills or abilities we actually activate the fear center. And as soon as that fear mm-hmm. center is activated, the fight, flight, or freeze automatic reaction circuit gets activated. And the average person has yeah. never been taught how to master their own brain. Now, the reason I say that is our brains, we can't even create a new one for hundred billion dollars. Wow. You and I own one, zero mortgage on it no payment plan and yet we're not very good operators
0: yeah
1: Yeah. right so if i'm not a good operator of my brain that's like saying i own a car and not only is there uh, i don't know how to uh, fix anything that's gone wrong in the engine i don't even know where to take it to get it fixed Mm -hmm. the cars the car just needs some tweaking so the challenge we have is ignorance not stupidity ignorance I don't know. Like, I, like, how do I, you know, let go of a fear? Mm-hmm. So if you imagine you're driving your car, and you're right, let's say you and I are driving our car, top is down in Miami or LA, we're having a great time. And all of a sudden, a light pops up on our dash. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered to take a hammer and hit the light? <laughs> no, the light's a signal, right? Yeah, The light's a signal. Maybe you're low on air in your right front tire. Uh, Maybe you left the trunk open. Oh, windshield wiper needs some fluid. The light's a signal. Well, emotions are signals that are caused by external and internal triggers in our subconscious mind. They release neurochemicals that go into our bloodstream. We call those feelings. So that there are certain feelings that we like and we move towards and then there are certain feelings we don't like and we have to suppress or move away from. Well, fear is not a stop. It's be aware. Mm. But most people, when that neurochemical release of cortisol or epinephrine or norepinephrine is released into their bloodstream as a high alert, be aware, maybe something you read, maybe something you saw, maybe something you experienced from the past, maybe something you saw your father or mother, you know, happen to them, that is brilliance is within your cells and within your subconscious memory that's what's causing the trigger be aware now what what, what can i do to be more aware
0: yeah.
1: like how do i practice my awareness neuromuscle? Mm. yeah have- and 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 and, and, and- like in the moment
0: of fear, when it feels so active, when it feels so intense, when it feels so paralyzing, yes, what does someone do? Because
1: it's right. very hard to practice in that moment when shit's falling apart and I'm freaked out. That's not the time to practice. That's the whole problem. Mm-hmm. So just like we created you know, exercise to strengthen our muscles, my entire body of new work now is around inner size, so, inner size to straighten your core neuromuscles. So, let me give you an example. You asked, what do you do? I want you to think of uh, three uh, careers, okay, that exist on this beautiful blue planet. Astronaut, Navy SEAL, firefighter. What do those three careers have in common? A police officer, too. They are trained... To experience fear at the highest level where life is the ultimate price to pay for a lack of practice and skill, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? So, what do you think that they do, okay, with Navy SEALs, astronauts, or firefighters? They train them to be aware of when that fear signal or circuit's activated. Well, how do they do that? Well, we know that. When the fear circuit's activated, the, something called the sympathetic nervous system has been activated. The natural release of, of adrenaline-like uh, hormones are released into the bloodstream, and we feel a little bit hatching. Maybe our breathing gets shallow. Maybe we start to sweat a little bit, you know, we, and we feel this heightened state of focus and awareness. That's very, very natural in a state of doubt, fear, anxiety, stress. Now, if you think about what triggers this, what triggers it, what triggers it is when our brain senses danger, real or imagined. So it doesn't matter if you're walking across the room to ask a girl to dance or you're being attacked, okay, in an alley by a mugger doesn't make a difference. Once that circuit's activated, it releases the neurochemicals. Now, what if I shared with you that one of the very first things we all need to learn and practice is what I call take six, calm the circuit first. Take six, calm the circuit shows, and I can show you brain scans of what's happening when you do this. If you just take six deep breaths into your nose as slowly as possible, Hold for one second or so at the top, two seconds, and then release as if you're blowing out through a straw. Slowly, 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 slowly. The very act of expanding your diaphragm and your lungs, the very act of doing it slowly sends a different signal to the brain so that you can be calm to respond instead of stressed and reactive. Because the stress signal right, is a reactive automatic signal for protection and safety. So if I feel doubtful, worried, scared, uncertain, I'm procrastinating, I'm self-sabotaging, stop. Take six, calm the circuits, do inner size number one. Then in a calm state where you can respond... Now you've actually turned off the Frankenstein's mark um, monster sympathetic nervous system. You've reactivated Einstein, the genius part of your brain called the left prefrontal cortex. Now I can move to inner size number two. What's inner size number two? Well, inner size number two is called Aya A I A. And Aya stands for awareness of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors, awareness. Why awareness? Well, it's in awareness that I actually have choice. It's in reactiveness that I don't. Mm. So I wanna be aware of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors in a calm, relaxed state. And then I can say, what's my intention for the next minute or the next five minutes? What's my intention? My intention is to uh, take action. My intention is to follow through and finish this project. My intention is to make those extra three sales calls. My intention is fill in the blank. And then now we have awareness. Now we have intention. And now we have action. So now we say, now what's one little small action step I can take towards what I want instead of what I don't want? Mm. So now who's in control? Now I'm in control. So what do Navy SEALs, firefighters, and astronauts all learn? They learn how to self-regulate thought and emotions first under stress. Mm. Stress, the stress circuit is activated when the current demand exceeds our current capacity. Let me repeat the stress circuit activates when our, the current demand exceeds our current capacity. So what causes you to be afraid may not cause me to be afraid. What causes stress in you may not cause stress in me, depending on my training. So it's not the stimuli that causes the stress. It's my lack of skill to handle whatever is triggered and causing stress. So when we start to understand that mindset control, mental control, and emotional regulation is a skill I can learn, like playing checkers or tennis, or solving the Rubik's cube, now whose responsibility is is it to increase my ability to be aware, to increase my ability to respond, to increase my ability, okay, to take action even when my fear signal has activated? it's mine. So an untrained, ignorant person doesn't know how to do this. So now they're victims of circumstance, they're victim of their environment, they're victim of their past. But somebody who wants to deliberately and consciously evolve themselves say, hold on a second here. I have this hundred billion dollar brain. I just need to learn how to use it a little bit better. And I can let go of disempowering thoughts, uh, negative thoughts, destructive habits, um, disempowering patterns that are causing me to sabotage or procrastinate all the time when there's so much potential for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I started many, many, many years ago to train my brain, right? To train my brain to uh, work for me most of the time versus working against me based on my old patterns. And we now know via the science of neuroplasticity, right? The brain's ability to wire itself, to create new patterns. Uh, A belief is nothing more than a reinforced pattern. Uh, A habit is nothing more than a series of reinforced patterns and associations that automatically activate because of triggers and cues um, to conserve energy. Now, we know, what we know we have positive ones, negative ones, constructive ones, destructive ones, empowering ones, disempowering ones. But we also know that one of my abilities as a human is to be aware of them and to be in a state of deliberate conscious evolution mm. of myself. So I can not only be the owner of the car, I can learn how to be the mechanic of the car.
0: Right, right. Right. So anyway, so this is...
1: This beautiful, is kind of beautiful. Really,
0: I, I really love the, uh, the inner size one and two that you shared. So simple and yet so practical and effective. Yeah. You mentioned self-image. Um, I thought that was a very powerful comment you made about self-image and goals. And how can someone or where can someone begin in terms of shifting their self-image? Because it can sometimes feel so difficult to shift the self-image that we've created for ourselves for so many years. It's been reinforced, it's been conditioned, and it yeah. can feel it can feel like a death. And, and so yeah, yeah. To, to really shift that self-image, to upgrade that self-image, where do we start and how do we actually do that?
1: Love it. So before I answer that question directly, which I will, the first question I want to ask everyone, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna show you something, right? Is um when you were born, okay. Were you born with a self-image embedded into your brain? No. No, maybe some genetic predispositions, but no self-image. Were you born with any beliefs? No. Were you born with fear of anything? Were you born of fear of guns? Were you born of fear of terrorists? Were you born with fear of a white man or a black man? Were you born with a fear of a knife? Were you born with a fear of an? Arrow? No, a dog, a snake? No. So ask yourself this question. If you and I were born with some genetic predispositions, got that, and some autonomic nervous system patterns to deal with breathing, digesting, you know, eating and eliminating, um, what is a self-image? And how did it get in there? Like, what is it? So you're born into your family, regardless of, you know, what the family structure was and um, how your parents, siblings teachers, friends, uh, school, you know, talked with you and about you and about themselves, what you saw on TV, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, you start to formulate, think about an image of yourself. Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Am I capable? Am I smart? Am I not? This is hard. This is easy for me. And we start to develop these patterns, these cells of recognition based on the input and the meanings that we learned to give these things. So if like me, for example, you know, every time I flunked and got D's and F's, I got spanked like beatings, right? I thought that I was bad. I wasn't smart. And if I didn't do well in school, I'm not smart enough. And then I get spanked. Okay. With my father's belt. (laughs) Holy shit. Because I didn't do well in school, because I didn't understand the language, that you moved me, okay, from this country to that country, and I was two years behind because they spoke English and French and I spoke Hebrew, I developed an I'm-not-smart-enough self-image, right? So that, at a very young age was not only ingrained in me because my results of my classes said D's F, D's F D's F. you know, put him in, in remedial school, write it over, do it over, do it over, do it over again. He's not smart enough. Put him in vocation school because he'll never amount to much. So those early patterns that were created and reinforced caused a subconscious self-image of myself. Yeah. So on the basketball court, you know, in the swimming pool, on the trampoline, you know, in the track and field, wow, look at how good he is. But then in the classroom, oh my God, he's a dumb jock. Hmm. Right? So I had, I'm really good here, but I'm really bad here now. So the reason I want to share that is I learned how to have a negative self-image about myself. And then my environment reinforced it because of societal expectations. Right. Right. Right? What if a kid gets a D and that's the best she could do? Why treat her any differently than the kid who gets an A? Mm.
0: Right?
1: But anyway, so yeah. the, the, the thing to think about is, you know, part of our self image comes from our childhood and our environment. But let's go now to where, what I shared earlier. And I said, okay, but the science of neuroplasticity says that the neurons that fire together, wire together. And if you practice firing and wiring those neurons together, practice makes permanent patterns. So here's the question. Can I take a sheet of paper and write out a new self-image? It's not real right now can I say I am so happy and grateful that I am powerful and worthy and smart enough and good enough. And heck, I can achieve any goal. I choose. I can earn this amount. I could, uh, I could experience this. I can have this. I could do this. I could be this. I can give that. And I can write down something that's not real. Right now. I'm going to take you somewhere. That's going to be a little bit of fun for you because I know you lived in LA uh-huh. And I want you to play a little, play a little along with me, and everybody can play along. I want you to imagine you're sitting in LA, and you're there to uh, to see Hollywood Studios, or you're there to see Universal Studios, and uh, you're you're having a little coffee or a tea at one of the one of the little kiosks. And all of a sudden, somebody taps you on the shoulder,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you look, and you go, "Oh my God, it's Steven Spielberg! You know, one of the greatest you know producers of all time, ET, and more." And he says to you, hey, listen, Kute, uh, my name is Steven Spielberg. And you go, well, I know who you are. I <laughs> mean, I've seen you everywhere. And when you look to his right, and there's Ron Howard or Meryl Streep, and they see, you see that they have this document in their hands. Each one of them has this document. And they go, listen, we've just been reviewing this script that um, uh, Russell Crowe, okay, created. We just reviewed it. And you, uh-huh. there's a piece in this script. When we saw you, we think that you could play this role, right? It's five minutes long. And if you learn this script, we'll pay you 10 million bucks. We're filming in six months. And by the way, if you say yes, we'll give you a million bucks right now. And then we're going to hire the best coaches for you to learn how to act. We're going to show you the research for this role. We're going to give you everything you need to learn this role. And you say, deal, high five. Where do I sign? And you do that now. They give you this script, and your job is to take this script, and what does every Hollywood actor have to do? They have to become the role, so that, you know, Kute, or John, or Mary, or Sally, you set aside that character, that identity, and now what would you do? What would you do to create this new identity that you've never seen before, but... The chance of being a Hollywood actor making 10 million bucks is like, oh my God, what would you do? Would you like you, read it once and go, Granted, okay, yeah, You'd you, rehearse
0: the hell out of it? You'd rehearse, repetition, 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 rehearse.
1: Oh, so you would actually practice, practice. a role. You'd read it, you'd ask for feedback, you would record it, you'd listen to it. Right? You'd film it, you'd watch it, and then you'd get better and better and better and better. And at the beginning, I know you would be a clumsy beginner. It's like, uh, hi, um, this is, but, uh, right? You, you, you would You'd be a clumsy beginner. And then through practice, you would go from unconscious incompetence or conscious incompetence, you'd all of a sudden get a little bit better. Now you'd remember the words, you remember the incantations, the tonality, whether you need to be angry or you need to be loud or you need to be crying. You could learn on cue how to develop this character, an alter ego. Right. right. And then you might practice a little bit over one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, that at a certain point, somebody mm. can tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, Play, play that role for just a moment and boom, like that, you wouldn't miss a beat. The same way a musician learns a song, the same way a kid learns a piano, the same way an athlete practices a new play, the same way an astronaut learns all the pieces, okay, of their cockpit with their eyes closed, the same way a Navy SEAL knows exactly how to turn off or turn on the air and regulate, the same way a firefighter knows where all of her equipment is as she's burning running into a burning building they practice until the patterns become permanent and it becomes part of their identity that they don't have to practice anymore. They just have to reinforce. Mm. So how do you change your identity? First, you write out your new identity. All of my students write out a new life story with the beliefs, habits, perspectives. They write everything out and then we show the methodologies, like actors learn different methods, to take that and not only practice it consciously, but how do I get that into my implicit subconscious part of my brain, which actually drives my perceptions, my emotions, and my behaviors. Now we're playing the game.
0: Before you go on, I just want to just, just get a little distinction. Where, where is the line? between, okay, see who I want to be, John. I get who I want to be. I get who I need to be or who I think I need to be. But there's also so much um, you know, Instagram, social media, conditioning of who we think we need to be and some of it. So, so sometimes who we think we need to be is not necessarily authentic. And so <laughs> the question I have is around authenticity. And yes. because just because someone, just because let's say I'm acting, a certain way, that doesn't mean it doesn't mean I'm it, and doesn't mean that's authentically my essence. I agree. Yeah, so I, I where, where, agree. where, 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 I just because I really get everything you're saying, but I just where, where is there a line? Where is the line? What are your thoughts yeah. around that to add to add some context as well?
1: Yeah, I love it, and and, and totally totally agree with you, and th- and that is first radical honesty, mm. right? Radical honesty about who am I. Like, what am I here to do? And how do I authentically be the best version of me? So it doesn't really matter what you think of me. It doesn't really matter what she thinks of me. It doesn't really matter what my mother or father or sister or brother think of me. The most important thing for me is for me to think of me the way that's healthy okay, and authentic and true so that my personas, right, which is, means mask. Personas is ma- means mask, right? So that all of my masks are integrated with who you see and how I show up in all situations is unified and united. So I'm not being anything other than the me that I want to be and choose to be based, okay, on my birthright to be authentic. Totally with you on that. Now, there are skills that I need to learn, Right, there are skills that I need to learn if there's a goal that I want to trade my life for.
0: Right.
1: right? So you asked about commitments. Well, I have lots and lots of goals and I set goals based on, is it worthy of my life? Mm-hmm. I want to trade my life for goals that are worthy of life itself. For me, <laughs> not for you, for me. And so part of the key is, you know, what do you really want to trade your life for? Because we're trading our life every day for who we hang around with, what we do. Um, and uh, and we, we want to be proud, right? We want to be proud of our lives. We want to make sure that our life has purpose and meaning for us.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So a lot of times when we are worried about what do others think of me, the reason that's such a strong frame for a lot of people is because they haven't yet learned how to love themselves and think enough of themselves that it really does. I I love for you to think nicely of me, but I don't need you to. Mm -hmm. And so the most important person you have to uh, make sure is happy, authentically happy is you. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, if, if you're worried Or afraid of what will my parents think, or what will my sister or brother or my friend or colleague think if I don't do this or say that? Um, now we are placing more value in what they think versus what you think.
0: Got it. Got
1: it. Right. So so first is is what do you think? You know, what are you prepared to let go of so you could be free? The freedom is in not needing, okay, what others think or say of you. And most of the reason we need that is because a less than optimal self-image, self-worth, self-esteem, and self-confidence. Those are all interrelated. So the first thing we go is is to give somebody a, a healthy self-image, self-esteem. I think you're you're familiar with the work that uh, Maxwell Maltz did many years ago. Many years right. so-
0: cyber cyber uh, cybernetics
1: yeah. and yeah and he uh, he discovered that um even after men and women had let's say facial reconstruction done yeah many of them didn't see the changes the physical changes it was like why is this happening like how is it that i could change somebody's nose and cheekbones and chin um and forehead and they don't see the change and what they discovered, not just with his work but from work behind that, is it's not our eyes that see. Mm. Our eyes just allow light in through them, mm. right? We have a cell a self image that's part of the cellular makeup in our brain. And so whenever we um, look to please other people as our methodology to augment our own self image that's because we don't see a healthy self image in ourselves either that's capable or worthy of achieving whether it's the love the acceptance or the results that we want so that's why it all starts with me that's why it all starts with having a healthy self image of myself first
0: yeah i want you to just speak to this question because I know some people might be thinking it. It's, it's almost like I want you to give reassurance to the audience, okay? To those listening in. Can anyone change? Anyone? Yeah. Can anyone, like I, I want people to like can because some people might be. But I can't, John. I tried and I can't. I've freaking done this and done that, and I just. Can anyone change? Because there might be some folks that are doubting. Like it's, sure. good, it, it's good for Susie and it's good for Koo and it's good, for, but. I think I'm, I'm a lost
1: case. Can anyone really change? Yeah. Um, and the answer is uh, two parts. Every brain, every brain functionally works the same Right? So every brain functionally works the same. Now of course, there are anomalies. There are, you know, mental health illnesses, there are um, uh, issues, you know, at birth, there's, there's but I'm going to say 99.9% of brains, like 99.9% of cars, wow. not the same way, you know, <laughs> and so functionally, yes. Now, if people have a hard time believing that they can change, the question is this, what references and evidence are you leaning on
0: mm-hmm.
1: to come to that conclusion? And so let me give you, uh, I'm going to take you uh, just a little bit down cool. over here. So you obviously have experience, references that are causing certainty that it's easier possible for him, but not for me. Yeah. For her. So let's get into the world of beliefs. Remember earlier, mm-hmm. I suggested one of the things that holds people back is limiting beliefs Those are beliefs that limit us. Now, what is our brain consistently doing? Well, by the very nature of what our brain does for safety, survival, security, and avoidance of pain or discomfort and conservation of energy, which is really the hierarchy of the brain, it's projecting every second of every day that you're awake, it's projecting into the present moment okay, the reality that exists based on your experiences. Let me repeat, you and I are projecting into the present moment and into the future, the reality based on our experiences, and it does so because it's a predictive machine, right, an organism. So, It feels more real and it feels more right for us to predict what was based on our references than what could be. So let's go to this. Did you at one time when you were maybe a child, um, did you ever believe in the tooth fairy? Did you ever maybe believe in Santa Claus? And you really thought that Santa was real. For sure. Yeah. So what happened to shift your perspective? Well, you got a little bit older, new evidence that you could uh, analyze and refer to became available. And so you let go of something you really believed when you were a kid. Mm. So my first question is, do you want to continue what you believe, which is going to cause you to keep reinforcing what you have been reinforcing, or are you open to seeing how you can change so you can have a better future? Which one do you prefer? Yeah. Are you open enough to seeing new evidence? That shows that you can change mm. with some new skills. If you're open, there's help. If you're not open, there's no help. Yeah. So you have to participate in the rescue. So which do you prefer to be? Mm. Right? Or do you prefer to be open? Wh- which one? Someone that might say, and I think it's such a great point because sometimes we're
0: so not open, we're not available, we're stuck. And we just we keep our, we keep ourselves stuck. But, like folks might say, Well, John, it's my karma. My karma, my it's my karma in this life. It's just, it's my, it's look at the patterns. My astrologer said, and not just my astrology, but I'm just, it just, it's just my karma. How much does that play into, you know, these sort of unseen spiritual forces? How much does that play into who we are and what we can create? Because sometimes it seems as though, you know, let's say I'm in LA right now, and you, you see some folks that. Celebrities that just seem to be basket cases, but they, create, you know, they create huge careers and that doesn't mean they're happy in other, in, in other aspects. And there's
1: some people that. And who, they, say, and who says that they should be? They've yes. gotten phenomenal at their craft. Right. They have become a very good actor or actress, producer, hockey player, baseball player. What does that say about their parenting, their spiritual yeah, connection? Exactly, Char- that says it says nothing. Let, let, let's let's say you have
0: because yeah, there's so many talented people. So so you have yeah. we'll, we'll we'll come up with a scenario: Zach, who's incredible musician, super talented, as talented as Bruno Mars. You got Bruno Mars, both talented, and so let's say same opportunities, but somehow Bruno Mars makes it. Zach over here doesn't. And so how how much of that? And let's say Zach is, you know, he's rehearsing, he's, he's visualizing, he's doing all the things. The, the break, the, the, it doesn't happen. The break doesn't happen. How much of, of, of yeah, and, luck, and, luck and, karma, you know, destiny is a part of, 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 of success?
1: Listen, in the world, I'm very into um, the research on the quantum field. Yeah. Right. And understanding as much as I can on quantum field, quantum mechanics, et cetera, mm-hmm. the neuroscience and the physical. And um, there is randomness in the quantum field. Um, but there's also some certainty if you take a look at the you know, elliptical orbits of the planets and planet Earth on its axis, spinning around at dizzying speeds as we're traveling 40,000 miles per hour through space and time on the Milky Way galaxy or in the Milky Way galaxy. There's a lot of certainty also. So karma. Um, the only difference between you and I and a horse and a pig, there's only one difference. Okay, right now, as you as you know, there's a man just got a pig's heart, modified pig's heart, right? Just in the last several days, it was all over the news. So the only difference between us and a horse and a pig, do you know what it is? Choice. We can choose left or right, straight or for it, accept or not accept, learn, don't learn, change my belief, don't change my belief. Listen, if we believe that karma is responsible for everything, we don't have choice. Then my choice doesn't matter. Right? If we believe that karma rules everything, then we don't have choice. And if we don't have choice, then why, why even make any decisions? So what if there's what if there's this balance, right, this harmony that I can get into flow or resonance with what it is that I want? Because it's all here. I get it's all here, right? There's, I understand the physical body, and that's, the, that's the, the least of the power center. I understand the uh, mental and emotional side as well, and that's like more uh, a chemical reaction. But I also understand the spiritual nature. That's nuclear. Mm. So is there a way for me to get aligned between the spiritual side of life the unseen forces where everything emanates from is there a way for me to focus my mental faculties and my emotions the energy in motion called 100 trillion cells and get it in resonance in resonance with what's already here so i would beg to ask bruno mars talented, incredible, right? I saw him in Vegas, blew my mind. Um, um, He's in motion. He's in harmony and in motion. And artist B, who's as talented, there may be a few things that just aren't dialed in. So let's give an example. Um, Three or four musicians get together. All of them are brilliant on their own. And now they've come together and they just can't get into sync into coherence. If these brilliant artists aren't in coherence in concert, the music's gonna sound like shit. Yep. Right now, if you can get these artists in concert, in harmony, in flow, it's like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. So is it possible that for us humans, there is a spiritual element to what we do, what we want to achieve, do, be, have, give, create, experience. Is it possible there's also an emotional element, a mental element, and a physical element? And our job as humans is to, and this is a model that I teach called the SEMP model, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical. And then we can add F on the end, which is financial, which we'll leave alone for now, because that's a byproduct of other things. But is it possible, That in the world of manifestation, creation, success that we want, it's like opening up the safe. And even if I have the four numbers to the safe, if I don't put them in the right order, the safe doesn't get open. So is it possible that this artist who's just as skilled may be missing one or two of the key elements required to just unlock this stardom or superstardom? Is it possible? Because listen, um, the internet, right? Somebody sings a phenomenal song, it it spreads like wildfire. And it doesn't make a difference if they're a mass murderer, okay, okay, or they've just had a two, you know, two-second old baby. So there's a place where talent gets exposed faster now than ever before. So I always ask, you know, are you spiritually, mentally, emotion, or spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically in alignment with the success that you want? Right. So are you putting the combination into the right sequence? And I beg to, 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 to um, challenge anybody, you know, any result that we want to achieve on this blue planet. Okay. 2022, this blue planet, health, wealth, relationships, career, business, finances, music, whatever it is. If we have the, if we have the components, it's easier than ever before. Because all the how-to already exists. We, the how-to exists. Now, if you're not willing to or you don't know how to, it's harder. But I believe that just about every goal, unless you're trying to colonize Mars, <laughs> you don't really need to be too innovative in 2020.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. A couple more questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm loving this conversation for many reasons. Um, if someone is stuck in... in these mental loops because sometimes we get stuck in these mental loops You talked about the brute that the breath is is there anything else let's say okay I try the breathing but the mental loops don't stop cuz like, i i i i just can't stop thinking about for instance you know the last couple of years covid pandemic people feeling uncertain and let's say someone they, they just they're, they're stuck in a fear loop around money around paying the rent, around how am I going to feed my family? And yeah. I'm trying to, but, and I understand this, but just I can't stop the loops. And so
1: yeah. if someone is stuck in a mental loop, what can they do? The thought they pattern. To, they have to interrupt the pattern consistently. So, so if we understand the very nature of like what are thoughts, but mm. right? I'm stuck in this thought, negative, disempowering, destructive thought pattern. Great. Right. So we have things that trigger thoughts, a situation, <clears throat> a fear, doubt, uh, and it triggers this thought. And it's a disempowering thought. It's our Frankenstein's monster saying, what if? What if, I, what, what if I still don't make enough money? What if I can't pay the rent? What if they kick me out of the house? What if I can't feed my children? What if I can't buy diapers? What if I can't put gas in my car? What if negative? That part of our brain okay, is doing its job. So the problem isn't with that part of the brain doing its job. So awareness, again, is to say, okay, why, is, why do I have this repetitive pattern? Well, I'm afraid of things not turning out the way I want them to. Okay, great. So now that you're aware, now that we know that you have a certain amount of attention units a day, let's say you're given 10 attention units a day. And your job is to take those attention units, okay, like it's money. You only have 10 10 units of money. Your job, okay, is to put these attention units and use them in the best possible way. So, awareness of so my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behaviors okay, they're negative, they're disempowering, they're not making me feel well, they're keeping me up at night, Uh, I'm eating too much, I'm not exercising, I'm not sleeping well, Mm -hmm. I got awareness. What's my intention? My intention is to have enough money. My intention is to feed my children. My intention is to find a job. My intention is write it out. Mm -hmm. Then we go, okay, now that I have these attention units and I have my intention, now what's one action I could take to move away from what I'm afraid of and to move towards what I want. Now, which part of me is in control? The fear center, because here's what happens. If we think about what we feel, we think about what we feel on an ongoing basis, we're actually reinforcing the very pattern we don't want. Mm -hmm. So if we reinforce the pattern we don't want, we're actually telling our brain More of this is okay. As soon as I interrupt the pattern because of awareness, I've just changed the neural structure that is causing the repetitive hijacking of this part of my brain. It's called amygdala hijacking. And so now I'm going to be aware. I'm going to change the intention. I'm going to shift over to this part of my brain and saying, what's one step I can take? What's two steps? What if you say, I don't know. Okay, Um, who does know? Well, I don't know who does know. Okay, can I Google and see if there's an answer there? Uh, Yeah, I could do that. Great, get on your computer and say, what can I do too? I just lost my job here. I just got laid off. Uh, I just got into a crash. I need tires. I have $38 in the bank and and rent is due tomorrow. What should I do? Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there's information on Google that's free. Of what you should do to stay calm first. Calm so I can respond. I don't want to react because of my reaction. Right? Guess what I'm going to reinforce? The very fear pattern that I don't want to run my life. Mm-hmm. So now I can say, okay, hold on, hold on. Take six deep breaths. Let me calm down. Okay, calm, calm, calm. How can I respond? Well maybe I should call my landlord and explain to her, hey, I know this is not what you want to hear. And, you know, I've paid my rent. I just lost my job. I have $38. I'll I'll give you 15 of those dollars. I'm going to keep like $13 or $23 for food. Um, Here are the three steps I'm taking to make money. And I'm going to be a little bit late. I'll pay you as soon as possible. Okay, that's step one. Step two, let me call all of my friends who might need Okay, somebody to do some work right now. Let me go onto all the social media channels I'm wasting hours a day on. I'm going to say, hey, just lost my job, not a great place to be, and I need a little bit of help. Right, so I can be in a proactive, uncomfortable state where I'm solving the problem versus reinforcing it. Yeah. Now I'm in a responsive, constructive, empowering state versus a disempowering, destructive state that will keep reinforcing itself. Our brain doesn't care. So that means that I, as the owner of my brain needs to know how to instruct it better because I am not my brain. Mm. Now we go back to, you know, that spiritual side of our being. Now I've got these 100 trillion cells that have been, you know, so, you know, cir- circulating the cosmos for billions of years, the hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, phosphorus, and sulfur that is my body with this brain that's been evolving for billions of years, 200,000 in this Homo sapiens species. Now I'm going to use it to work for me. Now I am empowered because I am not my body. I'm not my brains. I'm not my 70 organs. I'm not my nine systems. I am using those to move forward and to create a masterpiece with my life.
0: It's beautiful. I think just, just, just even that awareness for people to have of I'm not my brain, I am the owner of it. Just, just that perspective and that paradigm yeah. can shift so much where, exactly. we, where we realize we're not just a victim of what's happening inside of us, we're the operators. And I just really want people to, everyone, to really hear that you are the owner and the operator of this mechanism. So and let's get powerful. better. Let's become better
1: at running the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Let's, let's train our brain or retrain our brain. Let's, let's have a healthy, beautiful respect for ourselves and one another. Right? The creative intelligence that created us is us, is you, is me almighty and powerful in a humble way not an egotistical way right like everything that we see was created to and through us humans 108 or so billion humans walked on earth before us we have the intelligence of all of the species mind blown You think I'm not enough. I can't solve the problem of making an extra thousand or $10,000 that I, really, (laughs) really do you know who is saying that or where that's coming from? We have survived, right? All the intelligence is within you. And if it's not within you, it's within me. And I gladly share it with you, but let's stop saying I can't, this is hard,
0: (laughs) I like, you know, it's just like with all of that intelligence of the cosmos and, you know, generations, we, we, we can't make, figure out how to make an extra couple of thousand dollars with, with, with all of the right. universal
1: intelligence. It's, let's it's, put it in. Let's put it into perspective. Yeah. yeah. Right. So when I when I focus and I can't, my brain says, OK, when I focus on how can I, your brain says, OK. Yes. When you focus on I must, your brain goes, great, let me show you the way. When you focus on I'll be nice to, your brain says, okay, we're nice to. Right? So let's have a healthy understanding of who we are and what we are, and then let's become better operators of using Amazing. what we all already have.
0: Amazing. As you look at the world today, John, the world's gone through a lot of changes and obviously the last 18 months, very fast, uh, took, took people by surprise. Um, what excites you in terms of what you see as the opportunity? As a business person, as an entrepreneur, someone who's made millions, yeah. when you look at the, the world from that business lens, for those that might be wondering, well, where do I go next? What do I create next? Where are the opportunities? What industry should I go in as a business person? I would love to kind of pick your brain on that. Sure. Things up.
1: Yeah, this is bigger than the industrial revolution, the agricultural revolution, and the technological revolutions combined. Mm. So, what we are discovering with um, uh, artificial intelligence, deep learning machines, um, uh, neuroscience, neuropsychology, uh, biology, uh, and and what's happening with the unification okay, of, of a variety of different industries and methodologies, um, this, is, this is like the um, wild, wild west all over again of opportunity, mm. right? So the people that are moving towards understanding whether it's crypto or NFT, uh, NFTs, um, um, there's more money available to raise than there has been in decades uh, out there right now and uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, the metaverse, I've been studying that for seven years now. Uh, it's just mind boggling, you know, where where, where the, the the stuff that's happening, the technological advances with latency around, you know, what we see and speed and processing. Um, uh, over the next uh, 10, 20 years, um, you and I will be in the same room as holograms. Actually, it's being done right now, where we won't know the difference between what you and I are seeing right now. Our brain won't be able to tell the difference between what we're seeing right now and a holographic representation of you and I, wow. okay? And maybe even people watching us right now. Mm. Um, and so everything is being blended between this uh, physical and non-physical world, real and unreal. Um, you know, I got the Oculus um, goggles um, Uh, over the Christmas holidays and a few of the programs and you put these on, you go, Oh my God. Like you're on the holodeck of Star Trek. Wow. You're on the holodeck of Star Trek. And it's so real that you're, you're, you're like, I've been in a, like a, a shark tank cage in virtual reality where I think a 20 foot shark is coming to get me. And I feel my heart beating and I'm sweating. And I know it's not real. There's a part of my brain going, you're in a VR <laughs> similarly and then there's another part of me going but why is my heart beating so fast as if it's real mm. so those worlds are merging and colliding so the question is are you and this is one of the things i started teaching all of my students early last year when covid hit mm. was are you going to be an adaptationist or not
0: right
1: are you going to adapt because it's survival of the fittest not the smartest if you're fit and smart, you survive. Um, so, so change is here, and that means we're never going to be able to go back to what was. And there's people. Listen, there's people saying, "Listen, I want to go live in the forest." Okay, that's if that's great for you, good for you. But if you want to take advantage of where it's all going, mm. be curious, open your mind to where are the. the the opportunities that are so bountiful right now, like opportunities that have not existed at this scale for a very, very long time. Mm
0: -hmm. Exciting. Yeah, super exciting. I love it. I love it. Uh, Final question, John. You shared a lot today, and I just want to thank you for your generosity and your heart and your wisdom and and just so much coming through you. Uh, It's been beautiful. Um, If you were to reflect on your life, Successes, failures, relationships, everything you've been through, everything you've learned. Um, and if you were to distill your three most important life lessons, that if you could only pass these three keys to the next generation, that you thought, okay, these are the three lessons that would evolve the consciousness of the next generation, children, grandchildren the most, evolve their consciousness. What would the, these three John S. R. F. Keesby?
1: Uh, number one, exploration of consciousness. Mm. So by whatever means um, that you can, whether it's meditation or medicines, mm. uh, explore consciousness so that you really understand that you and I and everything that we see with our physical eyes um, is only a tip of the iceberg of what is really there part one. Part two, um, failure is the path forward, uh, which means that we learn not only through knowing what to do, but we learn just as much uh, through our failures and what not to do, because that gives us the visceral understanding and the visceral um, um, uh, knowingness okay, of, um, of paths to take and things Um, to do and then number three is learn how to focus more on what you want and desire to trade your life for what you love than what you do not want
0: simple but powerful you know especially now we're so focused on what we don't want you know it's very uh, easy because very easy yeah we're
1: so used to navigating the world with our physical senses of hear see smell taste and touch so I see what's happening. And then, and then the media, which is rampant, and social media, which is even more rampant, reinforces, right? And the, and the very nature of AI and social media keeps reinforcing, reinforcing the very thing that we are paying attention to. And right. it's very, very hard to understand that the more I pay attention to what I don't want, the more social media gives us, gives us what we don't want, which then reinforces what I don't want. And then we become conditioned to expect it and to predict it. Mm-hmm. And we think that's the truth. Yeah. Hence go back to explore consciousness and meditation, which allows you to see a little bit more of this quantum field that we are in. It's not the quantum field isn't out there. We yes. are in the quantum field. This just happens to be a solid state for this thing called a sentient being called a human.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I also love that you said today was what what goals are worthy enough to trade your life for and i think yeah. that's such a, a powerful consideration when yeah. we think about where am i going to place my attention what goals am i going to pursue and what am i going to prioritize so i think that's such a powerful thing
1: and, and, and in contrast more most people secretly are saying am i worthy of those goals mm. And the question should be changed. Are those goals worthy of my life?
0: I love it. I love it. John, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work? I want everyone to connect with you and just, just be you, blessed by your knowledge.
1: Thank you. Um, my books on Amazon, John Asraf on Amazon, Inner Size, Having All the Answer, The Vision Board Kit. I'm on Instagram daily, uh, Facebook fan page, YouTube, lots of free videos. So books, websites. Awesome. Instagrams, awesome, all the, all the fun we'll, stuff. My we'll put all of, all of the links in the show notes. Uh, folks,
0: I want you to connect with the amazing John Asaraf, a fan of wisdom today. I have pages and pages of notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll much be much. reviewing and uh, digesting. Folks, uh, do me a favor. Share this episode with everyone in your life that you love. Send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to hear your key takeaways from today's Soul Talk episode with John. And uh, I'll catch you next week. In soul talk, John. Thank you so much. Love you lots. Love You're amazing. You, Everybody, share this Bye, episode with everyone. Bless you